Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners. Also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today, 570-726-6200. Your wedding planning questions answered. That's coming up on a brand new episode of the Wedding Planning Podcast. Hey there, it's Cara, and the goal of our time here together on the Wedding Planning Podcast is pretty simple. I want you to have all the resources and the confidence to plan the wedding that you want, minus the crushing stress, expense, and overwhelm felt by so many engaged couples. If you're newly engaged and looking to kick off the new year with a fresh start on your wedding plans, then be sure to follow the show wherever you listen for a brand new episode delivered straight to you every Wednesday. And please feel free to share with your friends and family as well. These episodes are really helpful for everyone in your life who's helping you plan the details of your dream wedding celebration. To be in touch with your wedding questions, browse past episodes, and special offers from our sponsors, visit our website, weddingplanningpodcast.co. Enjoy the show. Why, hello there, and thank you so much as always for spending a few minutes of your time with me here today talking about all things wedding. I absolutely love doing wedding Q&A shows, and I'll do as many of them as you need or would like me to, but in order for them to work, I need your wedding planning questions. So to submit anything at all that's on your mind, you can visit weddingplanningpodcast.co slash contact. Go ahead and fill out the email form, and it'll shoot me an email right to my inbox, We can keep it completely anonymous. In fact, I will do that by default unless you let me know that you would like me to share your personal details. That's totally fine too. But please do not be shy. I have a wide open door. I got married many, many, many years ago, so I'm doing these shows for you. And again, I want to address the specific concerns and dilemmas and questions that you have so that it's as relevant as possible. And with that, let's get right into today's Q&A show, starting with how much alcohol should we buy? This couple is looking to stock a bar at a backyard engagement party. And before we go on, I do have a great tool for you. But before we move on, I will say that this applies to any sort of event that you are hosting, whether it be wedding related, maybe an engagement party, bridal shower, bachelorette party, dinner and drinks with friends at your house, someone's birthday party, your wedding reception, you get it. It applies to any and all events. This tool is my go-to. I use it all the time. I will link to it in the show notes, and it's a wonderful online drink calculator from our friends at Evite. It literally takes any and every sort of guesswork out of the equation. It asks you to put in your guest count, and it even breaks it down between light drinkers, average drinkers, and heavy drinkers, depending on your crowd. It asks for the party duration, and then it also asks you what will you be serving, whether it's just beer and wine, beer, wine, and liquor, so you get 
as much detail as possible from this handy tool. It is completely free. And again, I will stash a link to this drink calculator in today's show notes. So be sure to take a look at that when you have a hands-free moment. Now to take this question a couple steps further, I just want to expound upon upon a couple of other things. The first thing is when you are hosting a bar for any sort of party or get together, the most simple way to do that is to limit the choices that you're offering at your bar. So for example, beer and wine only is going to be a pretty simple setup. Maybe you have a few non-alcoholic choices thrown in there, some bottles of water, easy. And then we can layer on the uh, complications, if you will. So we can say, okay, we're going to offer beer and wine. But within that, we want to offer an IPA from a craft brewery that's local that we love. But we also want to offer a light canned, you know, generic beer for those people who may not be into the heavy, crazy craft beer. And then on the wine side, we want to do wine, but we want to have a white option and a red option and a bubbly option. Okay, so you get it. You can kind of go down these side rabbit holes and this can become a little bit more complicated than it seems on the surface. And that drink calculator that I offered up a minute ago is not going to know your crowd as well as you do. So if you know that your group of friends is white wine drinkers primarily, and they love craft beer, then go heavy on those things. Optional, you can provide a little bit of something else. If there's, you know, a person here or a person there who would prefer something else, that's totally fine. And then the next kind of side side shoot will go down for this question is the liquor mixed drink aspect. Again, you know your crowd best. I know my crowd loves margaritas. So if I were hosting a bar, I know with a lot of confidence that I could simply offer margaritas, spicy and non-spicy, some wine and some beer, and we would be all set. But see, that's a, that's a very simple way to serve liquor. When you get into having a thousand different options because you want someone to be able to go up to the bar and call out that they want a gin and tonic, Okay, now you're buying a bottle of gin for maybe one person. You want to have a brandy option because your future mother-in-law drinks brandy. Okay, that's great. So you're buying a bottle of brandy for her. And this is when you wind up with 20 bottles at the end of an event where one or two drinks has been taken out of it. And it's a liquor that you will never, ever drink. And it either gets passed on to a friend, which is fine, or it gets dumped down the drain. So to go all the way back to the beginning of how much you should have on hand, I will just say that hand in hand with that consideration, equally, if not more importantly, is to fine tune from the beginning what it is that you want to offer and what it is that you want to serve. And my advice, again, do with, do with it what you will, but my advice is to keep it as simple as possible. So the fewer the options, the better. And then the closing note, I could talk about cocktails and wine and beer all day if you'd let me, (laughs) but I will wrap it up and we will move on, I promise. But the last note I have here is something that I don't see 
as many couples take advantage of as I think should is there is such an amazing variety out there on the market right now today of canned pre-mixed cocktails. And the quality varies. You can find some that are really, really good. So we're not talking like the seltzers, but we're actually talking they're really mixed with real vodka, real tequila, real rum. There's a brand I love that's based out of Southern California called Cutwater. They are very high quality. There are so many more out there, though, too. And this extends out to like canned kombuchas. Canned cocktails, the bottom line, those are your friend because they require no mixing. They require no mixers. It's just such an easy way to put out a big cooler and stock it. And that way people can grab exactly what they want. You don't have people tying up a bartender who's working to pour specific drinks. It's just grab and go and it makes your life so easy. And then those canned cocktails are super easy to deal with as leftovers as well. You can throw them in the fridge, take them to a barbecue next weekend, save them for 4th of July, pawn them off to your family and friends, whatever you want to do. It's so much easier than managing a bottle of open liquor that is some random kind of liquor that no one's ever going to drink. Okay, so I hope that was helpful. To wrap it all up, go to the show notes when you have a hands-free moment. Save the link to that drink calculator. It is so, so helpful. Okay, our next question for today is about flowers. And this couple is wondering, what is a general price point that we can expect for wedding flowers? And they are looking to have centerpieces, bouquets, boutonnieres, and corsages for mothers and grandmothers. So as with so many things that we talk about on these weekly shows, giving specific prices for things is really, really hard because it varies significantly depending on your market and depending on what exactly you're looking for. A price could be anywhere from honestly free because if flowers aren't high on your priority list and you could really care less if you have them or not, then I would suggest not having them at all, in which case they cost nothing. And then on the other hand, they could run literally tens of thousands of dollars for some of the flower setups that you're going to see if you're on Instagram or Pinterest and looking at these big, huge, elaborate wedding setups that are featured you know, on social media, in magazines and blogs, whatnot. So it is not lost on me that it's not a helpful answer to say that they can cost anywhere from zero to $20,000. So let's settle in that in-between area. There are so many ways in the middle, in the gray area, that you can do flowers that are beautiful and also affordable. And that's kind of the magic combination with so many things wedding related is affordable and beautiful. And how do we strike a balance on that? I would really recommend checking out a past show that aired last July of 2023. And you're going to look for the show titled DIY Flower Ideas and Affordable Centerpieces. And that show explores lots of ways that you can go ahead and take control of the quality and also the end game price of your flower arrangements, including centerpieces, bouquets, etc. I think flowers are absolutely beautiful, but for me personally, they would not fall high on my priority list. 
I did do my own flowers for my own wedding and it was really affordable and it was also really, really fun. So if I'm going to advocate for a do-it-yourself project in the wedding planning world, this is going to fall high on my suggested or recommended list. And to give you a little sneak peek, I am putting together another show coming up about wedding flowers, and we'll go so much more into detail about all of this. But I want to ask you if you have any questions, specific questions about wedding flowers, about doing them yourself, about various options, about some good resources, please send me your specific wedding flower questions. And I would love to kind of roll them into that show and address them within that show so that it's as relevant as possible. And you can be in touch with your wedding flower questions by visiting our website. I'll call it out quickly, weddingplanningpodcast.co slash contact. And you can also find a link for that in today's show notes. Next excellent question, who pays for the bridal shower and should I offer to help? Offering to split costs with someone is always a nice gesture in theory, but there are so, so many nuances, right? It's never as simple as you want to just split that down the middle. So maybe, for example, your aunt has taken the lead on hosting your bridal shower and she has a million wonderful, aka expensive, ideas, and you might not have $2,000 in your budget to technically split the cost of the shower with her that she has in her mind that she's planning. Now, traditionally, emphasis on that word, traditionally, the host of the shower pays for the shower. And the host could be anyone from your mother to your maid of honor, your aunt, your cousins, maybe a group of close friends and family members get together and host it as a group. I I will say here, I am so over wedding etiquette, like in quotes, wedding etiquette. So if you're looking for the answer that Miss Manners would give you, I you're not going to get it here from me. But I am sure there's some wedding planning source out there that claims to have the technical etiquette answer for who is supposed to host your bridal shower. Our real lives don't go according to those rules. So I just choose to kind of turn a blind eye. Um, For our real lives, though, there is always a huge gray area. So if you know or if you suspect that the person who has taken on the role of hosting your bridal shower is kind of pinched for cash or maybe not in the best financial situation, then offering to pitch in for a simple, meaningful celebration might be appropriate for your situation. I don't think it's automatically ever expected that you would do that. And I would also say A side note, my personal opinion is that it's the job of a host or a hostess to plan an event that's within their budget. So in other words, if you know you can't afford to host it, then don't raise your hand and offer type of thing. But again, I know that in real life, things can and do play out differently than what internet etiquette says should happen. So to wrap this all up... Most importantly, 
And this applies to pretty much every single collaborative planning item that you're going to tackle over the coming months. Most importantly, is that you open up a clear and a candid, uninhibited line of communication between you and your friends and your family. So say what you mean. It's very much easier said than done. Trust me, I know. Say what you mean. Tackle those uncomfortable conversations. I know it's not fun, but do it with a spirit of understanding, a spirit of personal generosity, come from a place of care and concern for the people you love and the people who love you and are trying to help you. And yes, I will, spoiler alert, feathers might get ruffled along the way and people might get ticked off and nobody likes to talk about money and splitting money and who's paying for things. It, I know it's not the greatest, most fun conversation to have, um, but use your discretion. That's all I can say. You know your relationships best, communicate freely and with respect and care for one another. And that's really about the best we can do. And then as we close this question on bridal shower hosting, I will mention here that I just published a blog post on practical bridal shower gift hints. So if you are fielding questions from your loved ones, your friends and your family about what to get you for your bridal shower, I put together a list of practical ideas for you and I will put the link to that blog post in today's show notes if you want to go and check that out. Factors delicious ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day so easy. Enjoy over 35 different options each week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and even more. Weekday schedules in my life are super packed, nonstop busy, so grabbing a restaurant-quality meal right from my fridge that's ready to eat in just two minutes is a total lifesaver. And you can try for yourself when you visit factormeals.com slash wedding five zero and use code wedding five zero to get 50% off. With Factor, there's no prep work and no cleaning up. Everything comes delivered to you 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping, cooking or cleanup necessary. And forget overpriced, unhealthy and time consuming takeout. We've done the math and Factor is less expensive than eating out. Not to mention that every meal is dietitian approved, healthy, and tastes amazing. Win, win, win. I think you're going to love this priceless service. And by supporting our valued sponsor, Factor, you are also supporting your favorite wedding planning podcast, for which I am incredibly grateful. Head to factormeals.com slash wedding50 and use code wedding50 to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while subscription is active. That's code wedding50 at factormeals.com slash wedding50 to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while subscription is active. Minted Weddings offers you incredible prices on freshly sourced stationary designs from independent artists for everything from your save the date announcements to invitations, matching wedding websites, programs, seating charts, and beyond. 
enjoy a complimentary 30-minute stationary design consultation to help you find the perfect style for your unique wedding celebration. You can also try out their free monogram maker, which is so fun and so easy. You simply plug in your first names, your wedding date, and choose from dozens of fun designs and custom colors. I recommend Minted to all of my friends and family because not only are their gorgeous designs incredibly affordable, most importantly, they offer a flawless and luxurious end product. I use Minted every year for our family's holiday cards, and I also love their wide selection of unique stationery and personalized gifts. Wedding Planning Podcast listeners can view current promotions and special offers by visiting weddingplanningpodcast.co slash minted. That website one more time is weddingplanningpodcast.co slash minted. Susan's Travel Services is so excited to partner with you to plan your honeymoon, destination wedding, or maybe even your bachelor or bachelorette party. Susan and her team have been planning dream vacations for 27 years, and they are truly the best in the business for start-to-finish planning services. Travel and new experiences are incredibly special to me, and Susan and her team have helped me plan some unforgettable vacations, including a bachelorette party in Cabo and a family anniversary celebration in Cancun. They meticulously researched the best all-inclusive options for us based on some very specific priorities and the professional assistance in choosing location, resort, activities, and transportation was absolutely priceless. From all-inclusive resorts in Mexico and the Caribbean, overwater bungalows in the Maldives, or that African safari that you've always dreamed of, save yourself hours of research and guesswork and let Susan and her team find you the best options for a -a once-in-a-lifetime vacation. Reach out to Susan and her team today by emailing info at susanstravelservices.com And be sure to let her know that I sent you and get $50 off your final booking or $200 off your destination wedding. Her email one more time is info at susanstravelservices.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Okay, we're back and let's kick off the second half of today's show with a question about wedding parties. And this bride-to-be is planning on having a maid of honor and a few bridesmaids, but her fiancé does not want a best man or any groomsman at all. Okay, so you want to have the support of your closest best friends. That's great. And your fiancé doesn't feel the need, and that's great too. That's totally fine. My first piece of advice would be not to sweat this. This is not a big deal. Lots of couples do this. Lots of couples have no wedding parties. Lots of couples have 25 people in their wedding party. There's absolutely no right or wrong way to do it. It's only about you and your relationships and 
creating a celebration that reflects that and that's it. So if your fiance is not into the idea of having a best man or best person or groomsmen or whatever, that's totally fine. A couple of logistical tweaks that I might suggest in terms of how this plays out during your ceremony and during your reception. So the first one is when we think of a normal processional when the wedding party comes out. I mean, traditionally, again, here's that word from the first half of the show that I'm not in love with. But traditionally, you have groomsmen ushering bridesmaids down the aisle ahead of the bride and the groom. You know, you've all been to a wedding, you know what I'm talking about. So instead of doing that processional, I would have your maids, maid of honor and your bridesmaids already positioned at the front of the church or the front of the ceremony area, whatever that looks like for you. So you're not having these girls just walking down the aisle by themselves. I think that might cause a little bit of confusion in your guests' minds. And I just think it would be more streamlined for them to already be assembled at the front where you will eventually go up and join them. I do think it's perfectly fine for them to stand behind you and support you during the ceremony. That's one of the main roles of your bridesmaids and your maid of honor. And your partner won't have anyone behind him on his side. No big deal. It doesn't make any difference. And then the second tweak or adjustment that I might suggest, although take, take it with a grain of salt and do whatever feels best for the two of you, would be when we're thinking about doing photographs of you and your wedding party. I think it might, I don't know, it depends. But however you, the two of you feel comfortable doing it, we might want to skip that, again, traditional, I keep using that word, uh, shot of the wedding party where you're going to have you know, your four bridesmaids and your maid of honor, and then you and then your husband just kind of standing there. And then there's no one on the other side of it. I I mean, you can take the picture, that's fine. But you might want to just kind of omit that shot. I think it would be really cute and really meaningful. And a great opportunity for you to still take photos with your maid of honor and with your bridesmaids as a group and separately, however you want to break that down. So those are my two. Oh, I'm sorry. There's one more. The The third thing I was thinking of is during the reception, oftentimes couples will have their wedding parties introduced as they come into the reception. And that can look a lot like the ceremony processional where people are walking down in a pair. So how, if you want to announce them during the reception, that's totally fine. And if you want to just skip that step, that's fine too. And then next up, we have a couple who's encountering some annoyance planning their rehearsal dinner, uh, specifically that it's way more expensive than they budgeted for. And this is a really common issue that couples have where the rehearsal dinner is something that gets kind of pushed to the wayside. Let's use this word one more time for today. Traditionally, <laughs> traditionally, the groom's family is tasked with paying for the rehearsal dinner. But look, we just don't live in this world anymore. We live in a world where most couples are paying for 
most, if not all, of their wedding celebration on their own. If you are lucky, you've got help and support from one or both of your families, and that's amazing, but that's definitely not all of us. So to say that we can assume that our partner or the groom or the bride or whoever's family is going to pick up the tab for the rehearsal dinner, I just don't think that's reality. And so what happens is couples, this kind of gets pushed to the wayside until the very, very last minute. My One of my best friends did this. She was like a week away from the wedding and they found out that whoopsie her future husband's parents were not planning at all whatsoever to host a rehearsal dinner and so they were left with like six days to scrap something together and it was super overpriced and they had zero selection they had no time to make any sort of informed decision whatsoever and they just kind of had to pull the trigger and do it. So that was super unfortunate. I don't want that to happen to you. So the rehearsal dinner is something that I would proactively plan for, just like we do for everything else on our wedding planning checklist. And let's get into the answer. (laughs) So part one of my answer is that I have an entire show dedicated to rehearsal dinner ideas and formats. And I'm going to air that show later this month, which is February of 2024, if you're listening live. If you're listening way in the future, go back to February of 2024 and you'll see a rehearsal dinner show dedicated to a ton of creative alternatives to having, you know, a meal at a restaurant where you pick up the tab for 50 of your closest family and friends, which obviously. I mean, you can calculate would cost thousands of dollars. And if you have thousands of dollars for it and you've planned for it, that's great. But if you don't, I do want to let you know through that show, which I'm so excited to share, that you have so many other options. And there are so many other ways that you can host a really affordable and a really meaningful rehearsal dinner. So I can't wait to share all of that for you. We're also going to cover when you should start planning your rehearsal dinner, which I kind of already gave that one away. I think you should start planning it really early on. I'm going to share personality-packed options for location and for food selection, tips for keeping the night on pace and organized, and also some really meaningful touches that your guests will all remember way beyond your wedding day. Rehearsal dinners are one wedding planning topic that is just really, um, really meaningful and really important to me. And I kind of get I get really sentimental and nostalgic and emotional thinking about our rehearsal dinner because it was legitimately one of the most take a breath, (laughs) one of the most special nights of our lives, you know, discounting the wedding itself, of course, but It was just such a fun night and it was so casual. It was so relaxed and literally all we were focused on was just hanging out with the people we love. And that's one of the things that is so special about your wedding celebration. I hope you can make it a weekend event where you're doing, you know, a welcome party and a rehearsal and a wedding and all the things. I hope you can really extend it and just really be Uh, present and just enjoy the fact that everyone on earth who you love most is together surrounding you in the same place at the same time. As you can tell, I, I literally get 
so emotional thinking about it. And it's just a great opportunity. It, it can be a really, really special night. So I will share so much more in that rehearsal dinner episode. And um, yeah, it's a great opportunity. So don't let that one slip by. Okay, next question, which will not make me get choked up and cry, I promise, is should we hire a babysitter for our wedding reception? And my answer for this one is maybe. (laughs) I have two children of my own who are more grown up than I can believe at times. They are 9 and 11 years old. I've been doing this podcast, though, since they were like two and four years old. So that's how long of a journey this has been. So as the mother of a two-year-old, a four-year-old, a six-year-old, you know, I've done all the ages. I've done all the stages up to 11. I haven't gone beyond that yet. Uh, Stay tuned. (laughs) Um, As a mother of little kids, I can tell you that There are phases that come and go where it would not have been possible for us to leave one and or both of our kids with a babysitter for the duration of a wedding reception. And you can talk to any mother and I think you'll get a similar answer. It really just depends on the child, the age, the circumstances. Are there other kids there who they're comfortable with? Are there other friends there? Are there cousins there? It just really depends. So what I would suggest you do is kind of take a little informal survey or take a little poll of your wedding guests who have kids who you would be, you know, accommodating them if you were to hire a babysitter. So just reach out and get their thoughts on it. And see what they say, because half of them might say that would be amazing and that's a great idea. And then, you know, it's going to be a mixed bag. If they're really tiny little babies, it's probably going to be a no-go. If they're older kids, they could maybe even kind of be the, quote, helpers. Like the older kids could help watch the little kids. That works out well. But it just really depends on your group and ages and all those other variables that I touched on. And then to wrap this question up, a couple more thoughts. I chose, and my husband John and I chose, not to have children at our wedding. And for us, that was a pretty easy decision to make because very, very few of our close friends had children at that point. So that was our call. And we definitely had to have a couple of hard conversations with friends and family members who did have children and be very direct with them and just let them know that bringing the kids along was unfortunately not an option. I stand by that decision. It was a really good one for us. It may or may not be for you. Um, this, The l- last thing I'll say to kind of close the loop here on this question. If you are envisioning your wedding celebration, your reception specifically to be an adults only affair, where there are not children around, you do not have people who are distracted by their children in the next room, you don't have parents who are checking in on their children, you don't have children who are wandering in to check on their parents. If you want to skip all of that, then I would highly recommend considering doing an adults-only celebration, in which case you don't need to hire a babysitter because there aren't going to be any children there. If having a cute little kid wandering around here and there doesn't bother you and 
that little extra added layer of logistics and potential chaos doesn't bug you at all, then I think having a babysitter to accommodate the parents in your wedding guest list is a great idea. So think about those details and those specifics and how they apply to you in your situation. Pull your family and friends, see if it's something they'd be interested in, and then kind of go from there. You'll, you'll have a lot more information to base your decision off of. Okay, the next question here. This is a good one. It's on all of our minds and people just feel kind of weird talking about it. The best way for us to ask for money instead of gifts. Um, I don't know that there is a great way to ask people to give you money, but there are some workarounds. And my favorite is to include a cash fund or funds, multiple, in your wedding registry. So incidentally, I linked to my personal favorite cash fund website in that blog post that I mentioned earlier in the show. So you can find a link to that cash fund registry in a blog post, and I will put the link in today's show notes. I'll call it out here quickly too. It's weddingplanningpodcast.co slash gifts, G-I-F-T-S. I try to enunciate my very best, but sometimes I know it just doesn't quite come through. Weddingplanningpodcast.co slash gifts. And uh, that is about the best way that I know how to ask for cash money instead of a physical present. And these apps are not an app. I'm sorry. This website is so cool because it's very flexible in the way that you can set it up. So instead of just putting a link to, you know, send money to our Venmo, you are actually assigning bucket like wish list items to separate links and then asking your friends and your family to contribute money towards that. So for example, towards our dream honeymoon, towards our wedding photographer, towards a down payment on our house, towards paying off a student loan. You can call it whatever you want. And I mean, between you and I, you can use the money for whatever you want. There's no no one's monitoring if you actually make a, you know, pay off my student loan fund, but you really want to use it for your honeymoon. No one is hall monitoring that. You can do whatever you want between the two of us. Um, check out that link if that's something you'd like more information on. And then I think this is our last one for today. Yep. Seating our wedding party members with their dates for dinner at the reception, is this a must or is this something that we can play around with and be flexible? So this couple has pretty much open reign on how they get to set up their tables at the reception, which is great, but they're kind of encountering like uh, paralysis by analysis. It's like we have so many options that we're, we're just getting like lost in all the different ways we should do this. They love the idea of a long table where they can seat everyone, but they also have concerns about how intimate of a conversation, you know, that can create. I, I don't care for being seated at a really long table because you only get to talk to the person on your left, on your right, and then maybe the person or two directly across from you. I think it just creates a challenging environment for having, you know, actual meaningful deep conversations. 
So they are looking for some ideas and recommendations of how to seat everyone. They have a rather large wedding party. So let's see. Let's run over the options. So option one would be a huge table with everyone at it. That's what I just mentioned. I'm not a huge fan of doing that, but if you are, then that's great. Circular tables, so like an eight top or a 10 top, I think that creates a little bit more opportunity for having a conversation between everyone at the table. Uh, The problem or the challenge here, though, is that they have like 25 people in the wedding party, so they would have to break the wedding party up into multiple eight or 10 tops. Not ideal. And then the other option is a sweetheart table, which is just you and your now husband or wife sitting together. And their challenge with that is that they don't want to sit by themselves. They just think it would be more fun to be sitting with all their friends and family. So those are the options. I would like to propose one more option, and this is how John and I did it at our reception. We seated our wedding party members with their dates. Some of them were married at the time. Some of them were not. Uh, We sat them together with their dates and we got really small. So we seated two couples at one table. We had four tops. So we would put, you know, we matched them up to the best of our abilities. And then we had a quote head table, but the head table was just me, John, my maid of honor, his best man, who incidentally was his brother and my sister. And at the time, both of them were single. So that made that easy. It was just the four of us sitting together for dinner. And I love the idea of small tables. Maybe you can't do four, maybe you could do six. Really just depends on the options that your venue presents. But those small four top tables are really, really fun because you get to really engage in an actual conversation. So again, you're not doing small talk around a table of 10 people like you're actually having some really quality time with the other people at your table. And then for our celebration specifically, we made dinner really, really long and we did that on purpose. And you have these little four top tables pretty close together, not like uncomfortably so, but close enough together where you could actually sit sideways in your chair and speak to the person from another table who was right behind you or right in front of you or right next to you. It was just a really cozy atmosphere. And then people ended up getting up during the meal, which again, lasted for like two hours. And we did that on purpose because mealtime is a special time. (laughs) And we just really wanted to savor that part of our reception. So ultimately, people ended up getting up, getting drinks, milling around, kind of talking to other tables. It was very casual. That might not be for everyone. And I totally get that. Do what you think is going to work out best for your relationships and also for just, you know, the physical constraints of your venue. And then Inside that question, I'm sorry, I don't know if I called it out at the beginning, but a question within the question was, is it appropriate to seat our wedding party members without their dates? So it's just the wedding party and us at these head tables. And then the dates are just kind of scattered at other tables. And my answer to that is, you know, my answer for a lot of things, which is, do what you're most comfortable with. That's totally fine if you want to do it that way. You asked for my opinion, so I will give it to you. Um, I 
am not in love with the idea of splitting wedding guests, whether they're in your wedding party or not. I'm not a huge fan of splitting them up with the date that they came with. Um, I have personally been in situations where I was, you know, way back when, before we were married, where I was John's plus one at a wedding and he was in the wedding party. And we ended up separated for, you know, the entire day, literally. Like we flew across the country and invested thousands of dollars in the wedding over the months leading up and then traveling to the wedding and staying at a hotel for the wedding. And then we were just kind of separated for the entire time. And I totally respect if that's what the couple wants to do. I totally respect that and by all means do it. But from the guest experience and from my side, it was not the most fun. I think it's much more fun when everyone can stick with the people they came with. I don't think it takes away from the meaningfulness of your head table or your wedding dinner or anything like that. So do with that as you will. That wraps up our last question. I'll say one more time, these Q&A shows are so fun. I love doing them, but I do need your cues to give A's to. So if you have any type of wedding question, concern, confusion, dilemma, uh, win, a celebration you want to share, anything at all that's on your mind, don't be shy. I have a completely open door and you can be in touch anytime by visiting weddingplanningpodcast.co slash contact. Another thing that really means a lot to me and to the show is your five-star ratings and reviews. So if you have 30 seconds and a hands-free moment while you're thinking about it at the end of this show, please leave one. I would love to hear from you. Love to know your favorite episode, your favorite takeaways. And that really does help boost the show out to other couples. And I want to reach as many couples as possible because What we talk about here every week is really near and dear to my heart, and I'm really passionate about sharing that. So mean a lot to me if you have 30 seconds to leave a rating and review. That would be awesome. Thank you again so much for spending this time with me here today, and I look forward to meeting again next week, same time, same place. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Wedding Planning Podcast. For episode recaps and special offers, visit our website at wedpodcast.com. There you'll also find a link to submit your wedding questions and future show topic requests. Follow us wherever you listen for new episodes every Wednesday. And if you're loving the podcast, please leave a five-star rating and review to share your favorite episodes and thoughts with other couples. Wishing you a happy engagement. Thank you so much for letting me be a part of it. And we'll talk again next week, same time, same place. Asante came to TurboTax after graduating from culinary school and landing a job in the hottest kitchen in town. My hands are full all day, every day. I love it. Asante, as your TurboTax expert, I'll make your moves count, guaranteeing 100% accurate filing and your maximum refund. Sound good? Yes, expert! Switch to Intuit TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live.